Hi, everybody, and welcome to part two of uh, this long-standing two-week series on uh, selected passages from the Book of Mark, our, our quote-unquote sermon series that we've been working on. We're working our way through the back half of chapter one of Mark. Last week, we had a good conversation about the stories themselves, about what they might imply, and a lot of conversations about psychedelics. Um, and now we are getting ready to dive into the language uh, with me. Uh, You've been separated from her by an entire week, but I've been separated from her by only about 30 seconds. Uh, let me introduce again, Lindsay. Say hi, Lindsay. Hello. Hello. You've made it. It's been such a long journey since our last episode that we recorded 10 minutes ago. So far for me to drive. I know, the commute's terrible, but fortunately Zoom makes it all easier. Beautiful place to be though. Yeah, I know you're in sunny garage California. Was here with me, but my arm didn't make the trip, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, the sun so. is so bright where you're at that it begins to evaporate if you move your whole body if you move away from you any bit. Oh no. Yeah. It's very warm here, lots of pollution. Alternatively, I'm sitting here in the um, the the cathedral of video game magnificence. Because of course I am. Because obviously. Yeah. Where because, else would you? Because if you know me, it's going to be something geeky. I mean, this is the same guy who did a, like what, three month long series of sermons at, at a, a church in New Jersey that were every single sermon's title was a Star Trek reference, just to see if I could. Did anybody ever catch on? Oh yeah. Yeah, there were okay, a few good. people that absolutely loved it, and a few people were like, oh, those are good sermon times, but I don't get that you're doing the thing. I think my favorite one out of that whole series was I ended with a sermon that I called uh, A Sunrise of a New World, which I based entirely uh, the title on this speech that uh, Kirk gave at Spock's funeral. I love that. Yeah. Because of course it's going to be deep cuts. Come on, who are you talking to? Gotta be. Yeah. Go big or go home. Oh yeah, and that's notwithstanding the big sermon I gave to the classes of New Brunswick once that I based on in, entirely on uh, a hymn from the video game Zeno games because I am nothing if not consistent. Consistency is key. Even mm -hmm. if you're consistently bad at something, consistency. Oh, ow. I feel in that. Ow. I'm just kidding. I know. I know. All right. You're good at both video games and speaking. So. All right. So let's talk language. Are you ready to kind of tear through the rest of this chapter from language? Yes, absolutely. We're going to go verse by verse through the back half of Mark chapter one. We are starting from verse 16. And what we're going to do this week is the exact same thing we did, well, from you, dear listeners, perspective, it'd be two weeks ago, I think, where we just basically, I'm going to give it to Lindsay to go line by line and identify what she thinks words worth looking at, things that might have been mistranslated, things that don't seem to make a whole lot of sense. And I'm going to look at them in the Greek, and we are going to kind of tear them apart a little bit. Are you ready? Yes. You got the English text uh, in front of you, or do you need me to kind of throw it? Well, I'm going to throw it up on the screen here anyway. So, throw it up on the screen. We both know I don't have it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's do the thing. All right. Kicking it to Blue Letter Bible. 
All right. Verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, by the way, I'm reading here from the NRSV because, well, that's just what Blue Letter Bible has. By the way, for those of you playing the home game, blueletterbible.org is the resource I use for linguistic analysis on the fly um, because I don't really feel like breaking out my uh, Thayer's lexicon and my BDB and all those old things to really dig into dictionary definitions. I don't want to be flipping through Strong's here on the podcast. Uh, Blue Letter Bible works in a pinch and it goes on the screen and you can check it out at home as well if you feel like playing along. Verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw, his he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. They were fishermen. Uh, anything here you want to dig into? It seems like a straightforward verse, and we've got a lot of them. Um, yeah, that just seems like a full sentence of normalcy. Yeah, this is a thing that happened because there are things and happen and they happen, and that is how time works. Next, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. I'm guessing there's a thing or two in here that you might want to dig into. Yeah, I want to know why they're fishing for people. What All context right. do you put that in? Let's take a look. And said to them, the Jesus, which by the way, I love this fact about Hebrew. Everything, in, or not, I'm sorry, I said Hebrew, I meant Greek. Uh, everything in Greek has got, um, like a, a variation of the in front of it. I forget what the word is uh, because it's late at night and I've been drinking. Um, I forget what the word is, but like a word that means the. So literally we have here and said to them, the Jesus, um, which I'm pretty sure I haven't seen the movie, but I'm pretty sure there's a big Lebowski joke in there. Um, that's not a movie I've seen, but I'm pretty sure that that is a joke related to that movie. So if you have seen it, this is for you. Um, but yeah, and said to them, the Jesus, uh, follow Ogisa. What is Ogisa? I don't actually know this one. Take a look here. Move this down so I don't keep tripping zoom here. Uh, so uh, after, behind. Okay. All right. So basically a preposition. So literally follow behind uh, me. Uh, and I will make you genomized to become uh, fishers. Uh, anthropos literally is men. And that is in the possessive form, the genitive. Um, so I wanna look at fishers here because I think that might give us some different information. Yeah. Because um, anthropos, you can probably tell anthropos like anthropomorphic and stuff like that, literally men. So there's not going to be a whole lot there. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, not a lot to talk about here either. Um, from pure linguistics, literally, he was just saying exactly as you get it in English, fishers of men. Uh, the word here we're looking at, um, Hylaeus is literally just a fisherman, a fisher, someone who is on the sea and does stuff. Strong's extends that to the possibility of a sailor uh, as one who's engaged upon the salt water um, and by implication therefore a fisherman um, 
Like if you wanted to stretch it, you could maybe say sailors of men, but that wouldn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Um, so linguistically, yeah, there's not a lot going on here. Uh, it's still a straightforward statement. I will make you fishers of men. Uh, the implication here being, of course, fishers of men rather than fish, kind of the same sort of thing we were taught in Sunday school. Yep. Um, I would get you to be able to catch men, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know some folk who would be very interested in having that particular ability. Um, uh, 18, at once they left their nets and followed him. Anything you want here? Um, I mean, no. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of straightforward sentences here. I'm going to keep asking, so feel free to say no. Uh, when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat prepping their nets. Again, pretty straightforward, yeah. right? Yeah. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed. I can't think of anything. I'm suspicious I mean, here. Called him? Uh, immediately, he called Kaleo, literally, to call them. And they left uh, Hopater, the father. Uh, interestingly, just from a linguistic standpoint, you can see the crossover relationships between Greek and Hebrew here. Pot, uh, pater, pot, uh, patera in the, in the conjugation here. Very similar to pater uh, in, in Latin. So there's a lot of overlap between the two languages. Uh, the father of them, uh, Atos uh, Zebedaios, uh, in the boat with the hired servants. I want to look at this one. Okay. Because there may be some context. Uh, Mistopos. Hireling, hired servant. You know, this is something that happens a lot um, when you are researching for a sermon uh, in, in those places where we still do regular sermons. Uh, you look at a word and you get an idea like, okay, hired servant. Okay, is that hired servant or is that hired servant as in we're talking slaves here? No, sorry, <laughs> no go. I had a thought that it might be a thing and it was not. Uh, Strong's tells us it is just a wage worker, good or bad, a hired servant, a hireling. Man, I am digging here and I am coming up with nothing. Nothing. They were paid for their work. Yeah. And, but it is important to note, by the way, that the Greek is distinguished, is, uh, it distinguishes that. It makes that point clear. It's like, this is not um, like people who were in the Hellenistic context taken as slaves as Romans or anything like that, they were hired workers. And the language is distinct about that. Uh, so whether you're looking for that or not, that is what it is. So that's kind of cool. All right, 21, they went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. Still pretty straightforward, eh? Yep. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Yeah, let's... Let's dig in there a little bit. There, there's some stuff here, I think. All right. Kai, you're going to see at the beginning of a lot of sentences in Greek. It literally just means and. Um, this is kind of funny if you're reading ancient Greek because 
everything sounds to an English speaker like it was written by a three-year-old. And then this happened, and then this happened, and then, and this, and this, and everything starts with and, it's ridiculous. A little obnoxious, but all right. For us English speakers, that's just the way it was back in the day. And they were amazed at the Hodidake teaching. Um, by the way, side note, uh, there is a very famous uh, early Christian text called the Didache, which literally means the teaching. Uh, the okay. teaching of him, uh, he was for teaching them as authority. So let's take yes. a little word for authority. As authority, which one has. Susia. How, oh, that's interesting. That's real interesting. Okay. You see that first definition on there on your screen? Yeah. Liberty Power of choice. Liberty and ability to do as one pleases. Hmm. Now, uh, I'm not going to claim that I have the full societal knowledge here. Um, this is the sort of thing that uh, if I were researching for a sermon and came across this, I would be diving for commentaries to figure out just what in the hell this means. Uh, because definition two, we have physical and mental power, uh, authority and right of privilege, which is kind of what we assume in English from the word authority. Uh, yeah. Governmental power for, and then that breaks down to a lot of different things like regal authority, crown authority, um, things like that. But it's that first definition because the first definition is always the one you look to. And I find that really interesting all of a sudden that we're talking about not that he had authority in the sense we think of in English, but that he had the ability to do as he pleases, the power of choice. Yes. Now, there are a lot of ways that I might be inclined to try that in context. A rabbi with the power of choice. Like, as, as, and I say this as someone who has a history of bucking ecclesiastical authority from time to time. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty uh, rare to have, even in today's standard. I, I'm fortunate to be part of an ecclesiastical body that both gives me a, a fairly wide range in what I can say and do and things like that, but that also is understanding of our own individual journeys and discovering and understanding who we are as ministers. There's a lot. Uh, there I'm I'm you do you think that it's a potential that you know you know you have to choose who to be ordained through right like a sect of the church like um right yes uh there's like in order to be done with you know his schooling he would have had to have been sort of recruited right I wouldn't say recruited, but he did have to come up with a particular school. Like he chose to be part right. of them. But then he graduates and he starts doing something that's uncommon, which is working with, you know, the ideas mm -hmm. of a shaman, basically traveling the countryside and doing things that were uncommon for a pastor or a, not a pastor, a, a yeah. whatever he would have been considered mm -hmm. at the time. So he was, he was already stepping outside of the normal box. So would, is it possible that he was operating outside of the laws of the church at the time then? I don't think so. Um, from what I've, from what little I have read, and, and I want to preface this by, by saying that I am not, again, as well read on ancient, um, uh, 
ancient yeah. Judaism as I ought to be to make this sort of commentary. But Same. Um, with what little I have read on that, what he's saying doesn't seem inconsistent with what would be expected of a rabbi of Hillel school. Um, no. So he seems to be at least somewhat within reasonable bounds of the school. But what we're seeing here is I, I have some resonance with this now that we've seen it this way. Um, because there are a lot of times, and you've known me since even before I was ordained, uh, there are a lot of times now as an ordained minister where I get up and preach something and people are like, wait, did he say that? Yeah. And, you know, it is the truth. And my class says my back, my ecclesiastical authority checks me on this stuff. We good. Uh, but people are so used to hearing this conservative message, this, you know, you are you are a terrible person and sinful and must give everything you have to the church lest you be condemned to the fires of a literal hell that doesn't actually exist. Um, people are used to hearing that kind of message. And when someone gets up and says, no, God actually is pretty cool with who you are and what you're doing, as long as you're not hurting anybody, people kind of freak right the hell out. And yeah. I think that what we may be seeing here, and I'm gonna preface that with the may because again, I am just a pastor. I am not a PhD level biblical language scholar. I could be wrong about that, may well be wrong about that. My read on this at my level is that what we're seeing here in the, uh, the authority word, uh, the people were amazed because he taught as someone who had authority. The word authority isn't here. He has the big stick power, a big daddy God on his side, which is what our evangelical brethren might teach us. There's, yes. No, he has the freedom to say what is true and what is right, and he's not bound by the oppressive rules of our uh, religious theocracy. Yeah. Yeah. So that right there is a nuance that I wasn't expecting to find, but I'm so glad we did. Yeah, I like that. Um, and the teaching, he was them as authority, one had, and not as the scribes. Um, yes. Now, the scribes, of course, being the social political caste here, referring to a specific level of temple authority. Um, I can already, you can already probably tell what we're going to get from looking at that because the word for scribes is a uh, grammateus. I don't know what that means. Uh, it's the same root that we take from the word grammar. Oh, fair. Yeah, yeah, we're not gonna, I don't think we're gonna find a whole lot interesting there. Um, so I think let's go ahead and move on. Uh, and hey, what do you know, verse 23, I can guess we're gonna have something to talk about too. Uh, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out. I would like to uh, dig deeper there for sure. I would like to buy a vowel or 10. <laughs> or 30, a lot I'd like to break down here. All right. Caiuthos, and just then, am I in whole synagogue? In their synagogue, Anthropos again, a man, and Numa with the with spirit, Akathartos, unclean. So Numa is the word for spirit. Uh, this is a lot like uh, the the Hebrew word for spirit as well, which for some reason uh, not at all related to alcohol. I'm blanking on. Uh, I don't know why, um, but the, the Hebrew word for spirit as well. 
is related to breath, uh, wind uh, from a person. And pneuma, uh, it's the same word from which we get the English word pneumonia. Uh, okay. So, breath. Um, so it has to do with breath, spirit. Um, so that's there. The word unclean then is perhaps where we're going to find something interesting. Should we take a look? Take a look. Let's take a look. Lick the buttons. Lick the buttons. All right, we've got akathartos, uh, a negative particle, uh, not cleansed, unclean in a ceremonial sense, that which must be abstained from according to Levitical law, or in a moral sense, unclean in thought and life. So I find it interesting. This isn't something I dig into a lot because it seems to be generally about what we'd expect. But I do find it interesting that our first definition is not unclean in the sense of dirty, but unclean in like not yet. Sense. What? Not quite baptized. Yeah, I wouldn't say not quite baptized uh, in that, you know, the, the Christian concept of baptism doesn't really exist yet. But that this is something that hasn't been cleaned and not something, because when we think unclean in English, we think something that is kind of perennially dirty, something that is always dirty, something that is inherently dirty or broken. Yeah. So what we're seeing here is something that is ceremonially unclean or morally unclean, but it's all under the, the definition of not cleansed unclean, which suggests to me, um, not an amateur, but not, you know, a super expert here. They suggest to me something that's not inherently unclean, but something that simply has not been cleaned yet. Uh, okay. So a small distinction, but one that I think is interesting. nonetheless. Um, and he cried out. Is that the word I would normally use for cried out? Let me double check. Ooh, yeah, there's a depth to that term cry out here as well, uh, on a crazo here. Um, so we have, you know, there was a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit and cried out. So it's not just like dude was screaming. Um, on a crazo here literally means someone who was just crying from the depths of his soul. Uh, to okay. cry out almost as into a deep or just to scream out in an unimaginable kind of agony, something that is heart-wrenching as much as physical. It's not just a guy who's going, ah, I am possessed by what is the demon? Oh, no. <laughs> it's more than that. It's deeper than that. Much more than that. Now, this is someone who is rent to the core over what is going on with them. Now that's where we are with verse 24. Just then a man in the synagogue was blessed by an impure spirit cried out. He cries out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I mean, we could dig in that. Let's dig a little. Lego saying, Lego my ego, no, Lego. Lego. Uh, what do you have and other Jesus Yesu Nazarene Erkomai 
Well, let's look at to destroy here. Have you come a polisai? Straightforward destroy. Yeah, pretty much straightforward destroy. Nothing fancy with destroy. Yeah. We come to destroy humes, literally us. So the third person plural of ego, humes, or humas, sorry. Um, Ideo, I know you, Amy, you are the whole Hageos, holy one. Hageos, by the way, or Hagios here is the same as like the Hagiosophia. Um, so that's a thing. Uh, holy, okay, holy. All right, <laughs> nothing fancy here again. Hagia, Hagios, uh, holy. So Theos, yeah, the Holy One of God. This nothing fancy here. <laughs> it's pretty that's much exactly what we, what we read. Um, oftentimes you find yourself expecting something and not getting it. So be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. Seems pretty straightforward again. Yeah, but I, I have an interest in imperatives to be quiet. Uh, okay. Ooh, uh, it's interesting, just grammatically, that the NIV puts the quote at the beginning. Um, like I, I don't think we gain anything by the rearrangement, but the, the Greek says, "And he rebuked him, the Jesus, saying, be quiet.'" Um, and the, the English we have here says, be quiet, said Jesus sternly. It's a little bit of narrative polish that doesn't exist in the Greek. All right, I want to look at our, our shut up here. Yeah. As someone with children, I have an interest in how to say shut up in multiple languages. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, shit. Close the um, mouth with a muzzle. Literally, muzzle yourself, dude. Love it. Um, Kept in check. All right. So, for for the sake of those of you in in uh, in the internet here who are interested in how to say this, "fimotheti" um, uh, is the exact exclamation here. "Fimotheti." 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 Th there. "Fimotheti." Yeah. "Fimotheti." Fimosity. Yeah. So you know the, the next the next time your kids get naughty, go Fimosity. That sounds aggressive, and I like it. Yeah, I know it sounds great. They're not gonna have a clue what you're saying, but they might shut up just out of sheer confusing. So it'll work. I think I think it would work. I think they would just be terrified. Yeah, I can tell you just by looking at um, uh, is from exercomai, which literally means to come out from. Um, you'll see this preface, or what, what the word I'm looking for, uh, X here, literally means out from, you see that on words here a lot. So to come out, literally, X air kamai, ek. So we've really got the out, 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 sort of, like you've got the- the uh, Real big emphasis on getting out. Yeah, the heck out the dude. Uh, so the impure spirit shook the man violently and came off of him with a shriek. I mean, they say impure instead of unclean, so now I'm curious. I'm throwing him into convulsions. Ho, Numa, ho, 
Akathartos. It's the same word as before. Okay. Uh, it's just uh, English writers wanting to be fancy. Uh, and phoneo crying out. That's a different crying out. Okay. So this is a much more general term for to call or cry out, to emit a sound. This is the much yeah, like, more vocal. Yeah. So the, the, the man who had the demon was crying out from the depths of his soul, very poetic, very deep. And this is just, he done made a sound. Yeah, um, he screamed this time. Yeah. Um, oh, I would love to break up my commentary sometime and dig into this. Third definition is to send for or to summon. Uh, I would love oh. to look at that in context. Um, uh, yeah, so literally though, it's just like he made a sound uh, and we're not sure what the sound is. So the difference, there is a, like in the English that he cried out earlier, he cried out here, we don't see a difference between those two exclamations, but boy in the Greek, are they night and day. Uh, so that's interesting. So we cried out, phone uh, megas um, with a loud voice. Can you guess what that means? Phone megas? Loud voice. Yeah, I'm guessing you don't even speak Greek and you can pick that one out, huh? Pretty easy. Yeah, megaphone, phone megas. Exerkamai and came out of him. And look, I'm going to say this with a little bit of profanity because that's just how I do. But the way they say ex erkamai literally and came out, and then they say ek out again. Like I literally read that as and came the hell out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Violently. Like what they are using prepositions for emphasis, we would use profanity for emphasis um, because our languages are different and we don't speak Greek. But I feel the emphasis the exact same way as if it were writ that way. Yeah. Um, all right, on to 27. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching? And with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. Uh, long one, but anything you want from that? I don't know. I don't know that I trust their quotations. Well, take a look here at the Greek text here. Um, knowing, of course, that you don't actually read Greek, but you see this whole Greek text here? Yes. Do you see quotation marks in there? No. That is because neither Greek nor Hebrew had quotation marks. Which is um, why I want to know what they said. We know to a reasonable degree of certainty based on context that they were talking about uh, something that was being quoted. Um, and uh, they were amazed all so that they debated amongst themselves saying, uh, and this is, this is kind of our cue in Greek, Legontas, uh, they were saying, so that's usually what you see before someone starts saying a quote is legontas or lego or some variation of lego. Okay. Um, they were saying, then followed by shit they were saying. Um, Tisemi, uh, or sorry, I was reading the, the root forms. Tiestin, what is total? What is this? Um, what is this? Didache kind of, what is this? A new teaching uh, with authority, exousia. Let's take a look at this word for authority. Yeah. 
Uh, is this the same one we saw before? Yeah, it's the same one we saw before. Leads off with power of choice. Um, so I don't know if the same reading of exousia would be uh, appropriate here um, because I think we're getting a little wordplay and this is something we see a lot in Mark because Mark is a big fan of wordplay. We thought we saw the word authority earlier and it seems very clear that that more feels like power of choice. But here it feels like people are using the word authority as what we would use in English, authority, kind of like that third definition type stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, and this is, I love this about Mark because he loves to play on words a lot of the same way we do in English. I feel almost as though the author of Mark is using exousia deliberately in both places to demonstrate the difference between what Jesus understands as authority and what these people who he is quoting understand as authority as two vastly different things. Okay, potentially. Yeah. I could also see it as them using it the same way to be like, wow, he just chose to do that because I mean, I'm sure they have other, you know, other clerics or whatever you would call them. Yeah, that I, don't, are I, also I don't know if there was a, an ancient Hebrew rite of exorcism or not, but I can be pretty sure that this definitely was not it. Yeah, so I think, I think they might also be exclaiming the fact that like he just did it completely different. Yeah. And like it worked. That, I almost imagine this as like some 30 something year old uh, priest with his you know hat backward and half a skateboard in his arm or something, walks into an exorcism and says, yo dude, the hell out. And the demon leaves. Gordon Jesus comes in and tells him how it is. Exactly. You know, yeah. um, you know that could be in a, in a way what's being painted here too. And that's also, I think, a legitimate reading of this. Um, and it's important to know that we can't say for certain which way is right about this. Um, yeah. And this is, look, this is something, and I, I'm addressing this to, to you here, dear listener, uh, this is something important to understand about reading the Bible is there are multiple ways of understanding it and it's possible for them both to be right and helpful because again, and I, I've stressed this before in, in previous recordings, I'm going to stress this again now, we are not looking to the Bible for literal historical accounts here. We're looking for what can be learned and understood about God and both of these two ways of understanding this word can teach us something about who Jesus is, who God is in this situation. You know, skateboarding Jesus teaches something about uh, how Jesus kind of bucked authority, how Jesus cut through the red tape of the administrations around him and just said, look, I'm gonna do the thing. That's an important way to understand Jesus. Alternatively, the disparity in understanding between Mark saying it the one way and the people saying it a different way tells us a lot about how people fail to perceive the divine in their lives. Both of those are useful teachings about Jesus that can be gotten different ways here. And I think they're both important. Mm -hmm. All right, rant over uh, Numa. Uh, we talked about unclean again, it's the exact same word. He commands and they obey him. Uh, seems pretty straightforward, shall we move on? Yeah. All right, news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee, straightforward again. Yes. Uh, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. 
straightforward again. Uh, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. Anything here? Um, I mean, I'm sure fever maybe. Yeah, I was thinking of the but... same thing. So let's take a quick peek. Probably nothing, but always helps to take It's lying. Perseo, sick with a fever. Perseo. I know I keep apologizing for my Greek pronunciation as if most people understand what I'm doing wrong. No one knows what you're saying anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at this. KJV, to be sick with a fever. Outline of biblical usage, to be sick with a fever. Strong's definition, to be on fire, uh, especially to have a fever or be sick of a fever. Okay, <laughs> I think we get the point. I think she had a fever. Yeah, I think. And immediately they spoke to Jesus uh, about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait up. I mean, click it because there's got to be something. And he came and raised up. He came to her and raised up her. Hmm. Yeah. What? That's interesting because oh, I'm taking her by the hand. Okay. Raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the and left her the female. I'll fill my. Fiemi, that's what it is, sorry. Um, leave going away, depart. I think it's interesting that, I, I'll, I'll admit, I don't know what to make of this, but the King James Version at least translates this word as leave 52 times, but the next one with 47 times is forgive. Yeah. Yeah. So there also is, for a linguist more capable than me, I think there's a sermon here in the expulsion of a fever being related to the expulsion of sin. Um, I, I think there is a sermon there, but you would need a linguist better than me to dig into it. Yeah, I could agree with you there. All right, moving on. And the fever, same word again, and she waited on them. What does he waited on them here? Yeah. Um, to be a servant, attendant, domestic, uh, to wait at table, to minister. Um, so there is a, like, we see the word minister popping up here. Uh, historically speaking, that more means a religious angle. So it is kind of interesting that there is a slight religious connotation to her serving. Um, I, I find it interesting that you fix the woman and she immediately starts serving. There's some patriarchal bullshit here. Yeah. Um, like. Feels uncomfy. <laughs> it does feel uncomfortable. And. I would love to take more time to pry into this um, in that looking at this patriarchally may be eisegetical, maybe reading our own context into the text more than is necessary. 
that's not to say that women in a servile position wasn't patriarchal and problematic even in those times, it definitely was. Uh, but within the context of this situation, uh, service as a response to healing, I don't necessarily know that the patriarchal context is there for that. I almost yeah. feel that if this were Simon's father-in-law who was healed, the reaction ought to have been the same. Probably. Um, so I'm going to, with all of the power that is bestowed upon me by, a cis, by being a cishet white male, I'm going to go ahead and say, the patriarchy is not present here. Let's move along. Um, Let's draw this one anyways. Um, that's not to say, of course, that you couldn't have great discussions about. Uh, oh, I could, but I'll there. leave that for a separate time. You, you could. I, I would argue it slightly, but I also would not deny the significance of that as well. So uh, that's another both and exactly. sort of situation. Exactly. Um, moving on. Moving on. Um, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. <laughs> Set it, setting aside the language here, I love the human reaction. He heals one person. And everyone's like, okay, let's bring him all the people then. <laughs> yep. The all right. Here we go. Line them up. All right, anything you want to see here? I mean, is it pretty straightforward? I think so, but I'm curious to see what the, the word for, de for straight up demon is here. Yeah. I don't know what I was expecting, but um, daimonizomii, yeah, literally daimon. Okay, I, I, I'm pretty sure I know where that's going. Demon possessed. Yes, to be possessed under the power devils. of a demon. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm literally the arrested development meme goes here. I don't know what I was expecting. Nope. <laughs> All right. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Check on that one. Hmm? That's a loaded one. Loaded, yes, but I don't know if, I think that's one that we might want to look to commentaries later to get more. I don't know if we're going to get as much linguistically out of here. Uh, and he healed uh, uh, therapeo, literally the root for therapy, for healed. Okay, fine. We know where that's going. Uh, many, poly, okay. Kako, uh, ill, polygos, various diseases. Let's check what diseases why? Yeah. Uncertain affinity, disease, sickness, or infirmity. Nothing fancy there. Okay. Uh, diseases and uh, daimonia, again, demons. Uh, yeah. Ekbalo, literally to kick the hell out. Um, yeah. And not permitting to speak the demons. Uh, Hoti, because. They knew Okay. Hmm. Grammatically, this is a little bit interesting. Um, okay. In English, we've translated this as because they knew who he was. But the Greek is because they knew him. Okay. Um, now, again, you need to be a better linguist than I am to really catch the nuance here, I think. 
But I almost wonder if there isn't a personal recognition that's implied in the Greek that doesn't get carried over into the English. Like they knew who he was is like in the same way that I know who Beyonce is. Like, yeah, I know who she is, uh, but they it's knew vague, him. It's a vague sentence, you know, it's a... Yeah, but... It's a vague statement. You know, um, Hedeon Auton, they knew him. Uh, that's that feels different to me. Um, like feels that like feels more personal. Him. Like they didn't just know who he was; uh, they they'd met. Uh, and so again, like a lot of things you find when you're doing a language study, I don't yet know what to make of that. No. Uh, and there's a lot of things you find when doing a language study that you're like, yeah, I need to read what other people wrote about this because I feel like there's a sermon here, but I need more knowledge before I dig into that. Um, and this is, if you'll permit me a brief rant, this is why I really caution people about doing these sorts of Bible studies on your own. Uh, it's very easy to draw conclusions in places like this where it is dangerous to draw conclusions because you don't know enough. Yeah, I mean, easily, because you don't know. There's a lot of contextual parts that are just kind of left out. Yeah. Or too advanced linguistically. Yeah, like I have done, I have done my time studying this language and I have done my time studying the Bible. I have my degrees, I've done my lettering. And even I'm sitting here saying, I need help to make sure I really get where this is coming from. So your average yeah. Joe, you know, Joe Blow internet here is not gonna be able to look at this with any authority and say, yes, I know what the word telleth me here. No, you don't and stop pretending. Yeah, stop acting like you know, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. I don't know. Lots of people smarter than me don't know. So don't don't play like you know. Uh, and that's okay. It's okay not to know this stuff because the joy of of you know digging into the word is learning about this stuff. It's not about saying I grasp it immediately because the spirit has so moved me. No, it's about oh goody, God is God has given me something else to to study and dig deep on. Exactly. All right, let's move on from here because we still got a bit to get through. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Um, I am fully expecting that this is straightforward, but do you have anything you want to dig into there? Nope, that seems pretty cut and dry. All right, Simon and his companions went to look for him. Seems uh, pretty standard. Yeah, the, the part of me that is almost one in the morning and drinking wants to look into Companions for a Doctor Who reference, but I don't think I'm going to find it there. Um, nope. All right. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Seems pretty. Yeah. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I have come. Honestly, this whole chunk here seems pretty straightforward. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. It's a lot of the same. Yeah, yeah I don't think we're needing anything. Um, so we've got our last chunk here. So we're down to the end. Uh, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Yeah. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. 
So leprosy, does that actually mean leprosy? Let's take a look. That's what we're here for. Kyrkomai, pros, autos, lepros. Hmm. The word is lepros. Probably yes. Probably yes. Let's take a look just to be safe. Do our due diligence. Scaly, rough, leprous, affected with leprosy. Yeah, it's the thing. Yeah, it's the leprosy. Yeah, although it's worth, it, it is worth noting that the first definition is scaly or rough, which tells us a lot about how um, indistinct ancient peoples were at identifying actual diseases. Like, you know. Yeah, because they could have just had psoriasis. Yeah, psoriasis or eczema or leprosy, it's all the same to us, really. We don't really much care because we have the scientific understanding of, you know, BC Israel, um, yeah. you know. So that that is worth noting, but again, it doesn't teach us anything new about the text. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, a man with leprosy came to him and begged with me, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Uh, and Lego, again, Lego, your, your uh, call sign that a quote's coming, dynamite you can you can make katharisa cathartic is the english word that has the root here um to cleanse or to make clean to purge um um so you know that they'll that movie the purge could literally be called a catharsis as well if you want to go back to your break um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's basically exactly what you would say, what you would see to make clean, to cleanse from physical stains or in a moral sense or to, to clean in a legal sense. Yeah, pretty much what you'd expect. Um, although that line to make clean in a Levitical or legal sense is important here because you can assume that the leper isn't just saying, you can miraculously heal me of my debilitating disease. He's also saying, you are a rabbi and you can declare me to be legally clean so I can go back to the people. Yeah, you have uh, the authority to tell people to bring me back home. Yeah, now if you take katharisa uh, or katharisai um, in the conjugation here, if you take that to be only the legal sense, then the whole exchange here becomes a very different thing. Because Jesus' miraculous healing stops to be one about changing the disease and starts to be one about changing illegal status. Yeah. Um, which, in the uh, environment of the time, isn't necessarily any less miraculous. I mean, you know, a rogue preacher who's just declaring people who've been, you know, ostracized for eczema to be suddenly okay, that also has merit as, you know, miraculous for the social context of the time. Yeah. You know, so no one else was doing it. Either reading can teach you something, which, you know, that that I think is probably going to be today's takeaway lesson, that there are multiple ways of reading the text and they can each teach you something. Yeah, that's today's takeaway. Um, so moving on. Jesus was indignant. I can already tell I'm going to be clicking on this one. Yeah. He reached out his man, touched the man and said, I am willing. He said, be clean. Um, all right. Kai spaghetti sauce. Oh, sorry, I, I, I'm not going to try to pronounce that one. Um, some of these longer Greek words just mess with just me. Turn spaghetti sauce. 
Yeah, I mean, look, look at the anglicization of the text here. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm good. Splog chinis oh my. Yeah, splog chinis oh my. Uh, yeah, no, spaghetti sauce. Uh, and moved with compassion, Ecteno stretched out a uh, whole chair. Sarah, uh, in hand, his hopto touched him. Okay. Another one that you can get a nice uh, English route here, hapto to touch. Um, you got an iPhone? I know you do, but I'm asking anyway. I do. What do they call that thing where you touch the screen and you get a mild electric shock and it makes you feel like you've touched something that has texture? I don't know what they call it. Haptic feedback. Oh. Comes from the Greek word okay. hapto, to touch. Makes sense. Yeah. You're learning a lot about English, if nothing else, from all of this, right? I mean, I failed enough English classes. I could use it, so. Yeah, there you go. Uh, touched him, Kai, Lego, and said, hey, there's that key word again, Lego. Um, so every time you come across Legos, there's a lecture. Also true when parenting. Every time you come across Legos, there's a lecture. True. Keep talking. I'm filling up my water. I'm not leaving. All right. So and said, I'll toast to him. Uh, I'm willing to be cleansed. Um, I was expecting something different, but it's still the same route here. Catharizo, you know, catharsis, uh, to be cleansed clean in the multiple senses. So nothing surprising. No, sounds pretty straightforward. Yeah. On to 42. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I'm interested in immediately. I don't know if you're interested in anything else here. Um. I do kind of want to see what cleansed is. Is it the word for clean? Yeah. You know, when you see a repeated word, it's always worth looking at the Greek to see if they change it up. Uh, yeah, because you use it for different things, so. Yeah. Interestingly, euthos here uh, for immediately is more like straight or level. So. I don't know that there's anything really to be gained from that knowledge, but still interesting. And immediately, uh, uh, a pair of my left uh, him, the leprosy, and he was cleansed. Same word again. Same word again. Okay, so, so we're we're getting um, emphasis by repetition rather than setting up for wordplay. Yeah. Right. 43, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. Okay. I'm well, curious. curious what the warning. And sternly warned him. Pretty straightforward. To charge with earnest admonition, sternly to charge, <laughs> threaten to enjoin. Oh, Threaten to enjoy. Enjoin, like in the league. Oh, I thought you said enjoy. I was like, that's an odd one. Threaten to enjoin. Yeah, that does that. That would seem weird. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. but threatened to enjoin in the legal sense, which yeah. you know, I'm not going to go so far as to say that Jesus was threatening the leper, but to sternly warn him. It is interesting to me that the third definition of sternly warn is also legal in the same way that 
you know, our catharsis word, our healing word, was also had a third definition that was legal in the sense there. So is Jesus like a radical skateboarding lawyer? Well, it is interesting to notice that rabbis in the time had a legal presence. Like they were the, the presiders over the law of the land, over the, the Levitical, Deuteronomical, Mosaic law. You know, yeah. the administrators of the Torah, they had the ability to pronounce people clean and unclean. So there is a legal dimension to what's happening here with the leper. Uh, whether you assume that's entirely what's happening or whether you assume there's a miraculous healing aspect here as well, that's up to your own faith tradition and interpretation. But you can't deny linguistically that there is a legal dimension to what's happening here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a, a theme at this point. <laughs> yeah, and that is, this is what I love about linguistic analysis of the text is because you see these interwoven themes and ideas that in our bastard pigden language that is English, we don't get. Yeah. Like our inelegant drunk at a cocktail party language that is English, we don't get these layers of meaning and these nuanced sort of terminological understandings that you get about these older languages. It's a darn shame. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Definitely interesting. On. Uh, so he sternly warned him and immediately, uh, same word, uh, Ekbalo sent away him. Um, yeah. Which again, um, you know, I'm going to hold my spot here. I want to go back and check something. Tempting. Yes, I thought so. Uh, the same word in verse 12, where it says, at once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness, uh, that we so lovingly translated as, at once the spirit yeeted his ass out into the wilderness. Yes. Is the exact same word that Jesus is using here. Uh, Jesus sent him away with a strong warning. With a strong warning, uh, sent him away. Ekbalo ato, like it's the same word. At once, Jesus yeeted him away with this warning. So there is an there is an almost expulsive meaning you can take to this if you want to dig into it a little bit. Um, and so these kind of echoes are there too. So you know, Jesus got yeeted, now he's doing his own yeeting too. All right, forty-four. We got two verses left. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded you for cleansing as a testimony to them. Um, this is again, a pretty straightforward one, but I'm interested in cleansing. Yeah. See that to anyone, nothing you say, but go yourself show. Oh, hello. What's this word for priest here I'm not familiar with? Eh, okay, just priest, just a word for priest that I'm not totally familiar with. Uh, Kai Prospero. Yeah, Prospero here, by the way, the same root as proselytize or to prostrate. 
to literally lay yourself in front of a person to offer. Oh, okay. Um, so throw yourself. Yeah, it's the same word again. Uh, different conjugation, of course. Uh, katharismos. Same root, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We do have a little bit of nuance. Uh, katharismos is from the same root as the word we've been looking at for cleansing so far. But this is the one that is specific to the ritual cleanse. So there's a distinction here. Yeah. yeah. Jesus' act of healing and cleansing is, I'm healing. But he's saying, present yourself to the priest so that they may cleanse you in the ritual sense. So he's making, he's making the, the, the distinction kind of legally here. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about having the authority to kind of legally do that. And that's a start. And what Jesus does is does the disease healing and then says, okay, go to the priest and they'll do the legal portion. So that's one way of looking at it. Another here is saying that, okay, I've done the thing, but you know, you're cool. So I've given the okay, go to the priest and they'll verify it. Um, that's another way of looking at it too. But it is interesting to note here, and I would dig into commentaries more to get an idea that we're talking about legal uh, cleansing, ritual cleansing with this word more than we are disease cleansing. Yeah, it seems more of a like spiritual idea of cleaning than it is physical. Yeah, it's also like, I love the fact that Mark uses this kind of wordplay. Same, 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 a little bit different. Uh, yeah. And in this case, like, it almost feels to me that what he's asking the guy to do is, all right, go back and have the priest's rubber stamp what I done already did. True. Yeah, that's kind of my yeah. feeling. I just want someone to check it. Yeah, go ahead and have Let them check my work. My work. I'm, I'm cool with what I, what I did here, but you go ahead and have them check my work, just to be safe. You know, the... Uh, I'm, I'm going to date myself with an older reference, but it basically is the theological uh, equivalent of don't believe me, just watch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, throwing it back to old music there. Um, all right. So the Moses of testimony to them. Yeah, it's all pretty straightforward from there. Last verse. All right. Uh, instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. Uh, because this guy was terrible at doing what Jesus asked him to do. Uh, as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Yeah, break it down. Yeah, I already know what I want to see here, but let's take a look at it. Uh, and, and but. We always have a lot of things to start with. And but. And but. And but. But if it doesn't start with and, it starts with but. If it doesn't start with but, it starts with and but. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ex he went out, uh, Arco, and began to proclaim freely, again, freely, to proclaim much. Um, uh, pola from polis, literally much or many things, um, and spread around the news. Uh, 
full state to such an extent. Uh, no longer him. Hmm. I'm interested here. Now, contextually, we assume that this means Jesus, but it doesn't actually say Jesus. What it says is instead he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, he could no longer enter a town openly. Yeah, I don't know that it's talking about Jesus. You know, contextually there is, there is room to assume that they mean Jesus. Um, that translation is defensible. Uh, obviously, or it wouldn't be in multiple versions of the actual goddamn Bible. Um, but... It kind of sounds like he went out and became very popular for telling the story of what happened and then started staying away from town and people were still seeking him out to be like, yo, where's your man Jesus? Send us to your boy. Yeah. That's and how I'm taking it. Like, you know, I'm going to end with the callback to Life of Brian here, which is where we started way back at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, but this almost feels like a Life of Brian sort of thing here. Like, if you replace Jesus with he, and we assume that we're talking about the leper instead, <clears throat> it feels like the leper went into town talking about, hey, guess what happened to me to such an extent that the leper couldn't go into town anymore, and people kept chasing him out to these lonely places, and he couldn't get a break. Yep. Like, this honestly almost feels like the entirety of the life of Brian is in Mark 1 verse 45 here. Like, that's where they got the idea almost it feels like um you know, probably is it could well be those guys did their research for that movie but that does give you a very different perspective on this verse if you think that they're not talking about jesus that they're talking about the leper who um and that gives you almost kind of a monkey's paw sort of scenario because jesus said don't talk about the thing just go talk to the priest and then go live your darn life and then he goes off telling freaking everybody and it drives him the hell out of town like he can't live in town anymore for all the people who are like man tell me how you got healed i want to know tell me tell me tell me tell me yeah i mean it really just sounds like he uh he didn't listen to instructions when the genie granted him the wish and so the wish went awry yeah, you know, and there is, I, I would even go so far as to say, for those of us who read the Bible, there is a lesson to be learned here about listening to what Jesus actually said, rather than just listening to what you want to hear from the text and doing whatever you damn well feel like. Weird that that would be a message. Right, weird that that would be a message in the Bible. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, stares at the evangelicals blankly for about 10 minutes. Yeah, widens gaze. <laughs> but that gets us to the end here. And um, for the sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and stop us here. But uh, there was a lot here that we could play with. And um, 
you know, for the last two, well, four episodes here, I've refrained from drawing conclusions at the end here because I think it's important for us to have had the journey and for us not to really try and put a bow on top of it. Uh, but I do think that where we stopped here is important. This idea of really should have listened to what the what Big J said here. Uh, you know, I think that that honestly is a, a lesson that'll preach for our modern uh, society from this text here, at least, is just don't like take the gift you've been given and try to do your own thing with it. Uh, it never ends well uh, because your humanity will corrupt it and you'll brag about it and you'll make it about you and it'll ruin your life and the lives of people. Yeah. So I think that is where I'm going to call it and not in the least because it's almost 1.30 in the, in the morning here. Oh, um, no, so not at all. Any final words for tonight, Lindsay? Uh, no, I quite enjoyed our conversations about skateboarding lawyer Jesus today. <laughs> now that's something like, if I could get a good artist, I want that on a shirt, skateboarding, skateboarding lawyer Jesus. I would treasure that t-shirt forever. Uh, so if you are reading this and are good artists, I would like that, please, please. I request he has a briefcase and jorts. Oh yeah, the jorts are just non-negotiable. You gotta have skateboarding lawyer Jesus in jorts. That's just a thing. Yeah, he's gotta be. Yeah, with the backwards baseball cap, because of course. Because obviously. Obviously. And of course, the suit and tie on top, jorts on the bottom, backwards baseball cap, skateboarding with a briefcase. That's the Jesus we know and love. Exactly. All right. So let's go ahead and call it for tonight. For those of you who have followed the end, thanks for joining us through this moderately insane journey through the very first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, in our next episode, we're going to be kicking off chapter two. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, in the meantime, as I've always said before, uh, you can find this on multiple platforms beyond the one in which you're listening to or watching this on. We're on uh, podcast, on Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube. Uh, sometimes we're on Instagram, but for longer stuff like this, you can just find the link there that'll take you to one of the other places. Uh, but most importantly, the Discord server, man. I can't stress this enough. We're starting these conversations here. We're continuing them on our Discord server, where we're trying to dig into this and figure out what's going on and we've also got other stuff there too we're working on um all sorts of community stuff there that is the hub of our community so if you want to join a christian community that is entirely online and trying to figure out what in god's name that even means as a thing to be our discord server is a place to join that uh you can find links to that on the website or in the description for this video and or podcast depending on if you're watching it uh and beyond that uh, as I always say and always truly mean, no matter where you are, no matter when you are, no matter what you're going for, uh, I'm thinking about you, I'm praying with you, and God's with you as well. Take care.